This week's episode of the Get Back Coach is brought to you by Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has fantasy betting in leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes when you bet on NFL and college football. Here's how it works once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money, against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise at the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win real cash money. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors. Free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free. And when you're there, put in referral code BRAN13. That's B-R-A-N-1-3. And that'll tell them that I sent you. On this week's episode of the Get Back Coach, we talk about the college football playoff expansion, neutral site games, a recap of week nine, my top 10, and the strangest rivalry trophies in college football. All that and a lot more. All right, let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach, presented by Branded Sports. I am your host, Jake Myers, and we have a lot to get into with this week of college football. Uh, before, But first, before we get into some of the games this week, earlier this week, I believe it was Thursday, the playoff expansion that everyone has been talking about, it sounds like now the rumors coming out of the college football playoff committee is that they want every single game in the college football playoff to be played on a neutral site. This is so predictable and yet so disheartening as college football fans. Cause think of it. College football is one of the most electric atmospheres in all of sports. The only thing that rivals it, is European soccer. Professional sports in America, although are great in their own way, college football hits this little niche that has the weird traditions and the pageantry and the tailgating and this community unity atmosphere that you don't get anywhere else. Um, I was talking to Jay Arnold um, the, uh, this morning or sorry, Sunday, and he's at a Chicago bears game. And he said, listen, it's great. It's awesome up here, but the tailgate scene is nothing like anything in the sec because you have in the, in the professional sports, it's more corporate. It's more, you know, tamed Whereas college football, it's you setting up with your family in God knows where. You're not just in a parking lot. You can be, you know, anywhere. Michigan has a golf course that you tailgate on. You know, Penn State, you're in the cow pastures. Uh, Clemson has, it's like its own little village of tailgating. So, again, that's a part of it. So, you're going to take that away and you're going to put it on neutral site field? 
And I know why, because it's all about money. So why would the NCAA, the college football playoff, want, you know, the first or second round to be on location on college campuses when they can have their hand in it for a neutral site game? I mean, financially for them, it makes sense. But for the consumer, for people who watch this stuff, that's terrible. College football has electric an electric atmosphere. Could you imagine playoff games being in those stadiums? It'd be out of control. It'd be what you would want. No matter what time the games were, noon or 3.30, it's going to be like a nighttime atmosphere. And now you're going to say, oh, <laughs> um, you're, we're going to play, um, play them all in neutral site fields or neutral site locations. It's stupid. Now, listen, the final four, fine. Absolutely play them on neutral sites. But if you have to play one or two games, you might as well play them on location. So if we have an 18 playoff, it should be the first round home field advantage. 100%. The home field advantage. If you are, you know, if we're going 12 teams where you'll have, you know, two rounds before the, the final four. Play those first two rounds home field. I mean, the universities would make a lot of money. and But again, the NCAA won't get as much. It, it's just, I don't know. It's absolutely disheartening. Um, I hope, and then this is why, this is why college football needs a commissioner. If you have a commissioner, that person is going to make what is best for college football. And what is best for college football, if you were to expand this playoff, is for the first and or second round to be home field advantage. The 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 atmospheres would be absolutely electric. Now, this got me thinking. When are neutral site games acceptable for college football? And here, here they are. Um the one of the games we saw this week, world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Georgia, Florida, one hundred percent. Play it, keep it at a neutral site. Red River rivalry, played at the Cotton Bowl, Texas, Oklahoma. Army and Navy, one hundred percent. They should be neutral field. Um, throw in Air Force in there as well, and bowl games. Um, the bowl games should be neutral site. But again, if we're throwing the playoff in there, and we're going to expand this thing. Teams should have a shot for home field advantage, and they won't do it, one, because of money, and two, here's the other one. You're not going to convince the South to come up north in December to play football. Again, they can use their weather as a recruiting tool, but it can never be a disadvantage for them to come up north. Oh, another one, and this is a maybe. This is a maybe here for neutral site games. Uh, Northwestern playing in Wrigley and Boston College in Fenway. Maybe. I'm not sold on it yet. Um, I think it, it is a cool concept, Wrigley series, Fenway series for Boston College and Northwestern. But mm, baseball stadiums, it's, they, they're not good sites for football. Um, and again, both of those, Fenway and Wrigley, where, where are you going to tailgate? You're not. You're going to go to bars outside the stadium, which, again, to tailgating is a part of college football anyway let's get into some of our winners and losers um let's go winners let's go winners 
Um, actually, looking looking this over, yeah, every winner and loser are going to be paired up with each other except for one. So let's just go into some of these matchups. Um, winner this week, West Virginia. Loser, Iowa State. Listen, West Virginia, you never know who's going to show up with this West Virginia team. And I think that's a knock and a compliment for Neil Brown. They suffered bad losses to Texas Tech, Baylor, who's actually pretty good, Baylor. Um, but it looked like the Neil Brown ship was sinking and his seat's going to be a little warm, but Mountaineers have beaten TCU. Huge win against Iowa State at home. And now they have a couple winnable games on their schedule. They have Kansas coming up. They have Kansas State. They have Texas. I don't think they're going to beat Oklahoma State, but still, three winnable games on their schedule. I don't think they win all of them. They'll probably win two. They need to win two to at least get the six wins to be bowl eligible. Uh, listen, I, I am a Neil Brown. I like Neil Brown. I think he people don't realize how bad of a situation it was for him to come into. His teams have been competitive. I do think you give him one or two more years to see if, if they can do it. Once he gets all of his guys in there, which is that's coming very soon, um, if he doesn't turn around and say, hey, you know, it might be time to move on. Now, on the other side of that, the loser this week's I, Iowa State. Listen, October is Iowa State's time to shine. That's when they start clicking, and it looks like that's what was about to happen. Um, but, you know, they had that big win against Oklahoma State last week, and then they just – man, you gave up 38 points to this West Virginia offense. And this West Virginia offense is not good. I, 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 don't, I don't know. And, like, I like Matt Campbell. I think he is a great coach. I really do. But a lot of these bigger programs that have won him, what's the first thing they say is, like, well, you shouldn't lose games. You're, you're, you shouldn't lose games you're supposed to win. Matt Campbell does that every single year, and he does it more often than not. And listen, I understand it's Iowa State, and that's a tough place to recruit for, but this team is good. This is te- this team is underperforming this season. We thought they were going to turn around, and they're just not. And listen, Baylor's a good team. Iowa's a good team, despite what has happened recently, and I, I will get into them later. But they, they had no – they should not have lost this game. And listen – Morgantown, um, rainy day. West Virginia, though, did not show up like they usually show up. So I know Neil Brown wants to say that, oh, home field advantage at the end was great. But eh, was it, though? Was it? Let's go to our main noon game, Michigan State, Michigan battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Uh, Let's talk about Michigan State. Listen, I have been a big critic on Michigan State. Uh, their defense is very sketchy. Their offense is very boom or bust. And if Kenneth Walker cannot get it going, I think they come, become very one-dimensional. And when we saw that against Indiana, and with you know four minutes to go in the third quarter, Michigan scores, I thought, this game's over. They're up 16 points. Over. And Michigan State fought their way back. And you got to commend Michigan State for finding their way back. Michigan State, if they have proven anything, is that they are a tough football team. They are tough. They're going to run smash mouth football. Peyton Thorne is going to take some risks. Um, Their defense is shaky. But in the fourth quarter, their defense found a way, and they played very inspired. So you got to take your hat off there 
man, Michigan State just found ways. And honestly, Mel Tucker being that tough, tough son of a bitch that he is, I think that really kind of rubs off on his team. He got some guys in the portal. Um, I don't know how they're going to fare against Ohio State. I do think Ohio State's going to put a, a comfortable win against them. Um, but, hey, Michigan State, this is a good season. This is a really good season. And, listen, at the worst, at the worst, Michigan State might go 10-2. and two. At the worst, um, that's that's a really big year for Michigan State and the Spartans. Now, on the other side of that, you have Michigan. And I said it. I, I thought Michigan had this game in the bag. I picked them to win. I thought I said they were going to win by double digits. And I was looking like I was going to be right. And, man, they just fell apart. Um, Mac – McNamara threw two interceptions. I, that last one, you had to force it because they were down. Um, but, man, or sorry, not an interception. He had a fumble. But I just, their offense just completely and utterly just tanked. And I have no idea why. I have no idea why. Um, I know Michigan State's defense playing a little bit better. But still, they, this is disappointing. And I know it's on the road and everything, but. Jim Harbaugh. And, and listen, here's the thing. It's very tough to win on the road against ranked teams. You know, if you're both ranked and you're going on the road, it, it's tough to win that game. But the fact that Michigan had a chance to put it away and didn't, I think that just makes it sting even more. The big thing is how is this team going to recover? How are they going to recover? Are they going to lay an egg? Um, they have Penn State coming up in two weeks. Um, are they going to play inspired football? Because they technically can still control their own destiny if they beat Ohio State. Or are they going to lay an egg? I don't know. I really do not know. Let's take a look at Wisconsin and Iowa now. Wisconsin and Iowa. Um, Wisconsin just ran the ball down Iowa's throat. Wisconsin's defense proved why they are still really good. And here's the thing. Wisconsin's losses. Penn State at the end. Notre Dame was tied uh, going into the fourth quarter before they just got their – just everything went wrong. And then Michigan was close, and then Michigan pulled away at the end. Those are good losses. I know I just ragged on Michigan, but they're still a good football team. Wisconsin controls their own destiny now in the Big Ten West. And now they have a chance to run the table and go to the Big Ten Championship. They control their own destiny, and they're going to. I mean, they have three three winnable games coming up, and then they play uh, Minnesota at the end of the year for the Paul Bunyan Axe. I mean, there's no reason why Wisconsin can't go 9-3. and three. And it kind of just shows you, again, you know, Penn State might finish fourth in the Big Ten East. And they didn't play that great of a game against Wisconsin, and they beat them. Now, granted, Wisconsin didn't play a great game either. But still, I mean, going into Wisconsin and winning that game like that, I think Wisconsin's offense is getting a little bit better. Uh, it's still not good. But they at least have an identity with running the ball. And I think that really helps them. If they are tied or close, they can at least still run the ball and control the clock like that. Now, on the other side of that aisle, what is going on? Now, yes, they had the big win against Penn State. And, I mean, not controversial, but, you know, Sean Clifford got hurt in the second quarter. And they were Penn State was looking like they were going to put up another score. And 
that whole second half, they played a Penn State territory because Penn State's offense really couldn't move anything. So if you look at this, you think, okay, they, they get away from Penn State, but then you have you, – you, you, get, you get beat up by Purdue, um, and then Wisconsin comes in and just runs all over you. What is going on? And it's easy. And I say it every week, and I sound like – I know I sound like a broken record. But, you know, people are like, oh, my God, the, uh, the Iowa defense. The Iowa defense isn't good. No, the Iowa defense is good. The Iowa offense is so bad that it's just putting that defense in bad situations. And, again, if Iowa can't figure that out, they're going to have a rough go around. Um, again, this is still a good football team. But uh, they, they lost their whole, you know, they, they don't control their own destiny anymore. So they, they need some help. They need someone to knock off Wisconsin. We're going to stay with winners here. Um, this These two don't pair up. But uh, Auburn. Auburn has lost two games this season. They're 6-2. and two. They've lost to Georgia and Penn State. The Penn State game came right down to the end. They were down eight. They had a shot to – you know, potentially score then go for two at the end. Uh, they didn't make they they didn't make it out. But you know, Georgia they kind of hung with them a little bit. But you know, Georgia pulled away. Georgia looks like they're above and beyond everybody right now. But Brian Harson's squad man has improved. Bo Nix taking care of the football, doing what needs to be done. Being not, I don't, I'm not calling him a game manager, but he's not letting mistakes, big mistakes happen. Okay, he's taking what the defense gives him. He's not forcing anything. And I think that's a big thing for them. Now, listen, Auburn controls their own destiny. And if they continue to win like they think they should, they have Texas A&M, that's going to be a tough test against a really good Texas A&M defense. But if they run the table, this Iron Bowl is going to determine who goes to the SEC championship out of the West, the Western Division. Last loser that I want to talk about is Pitt. Now we all knew this was this wasn't going to last forever. Pitt was going to lose sometime. That's what Pat Narduzzi does. But I, I, I'm surprised it was Miami at home. Miami has lost a couple close games, but sometimes they just look so uninspired on defense. That Virginia game just I don't know. It just looked lackluster. Um, Van Dyke man had a great career day against Pitt. Pitt's defense is a liability. Their offense is good and. Coming up, this is the bad thing about this loss. Coming up, Pitt does have Duke, which they'll win. But then they have North Carolina and Virginia. Those are two teams that could that could put up points, especially if uh, Brennan Armstrong is healthy for Virginia. Those teams can put up points. So you're going to be in a shootout with those two teams because, again, your defense is a liability. Now, granted, so – are North Carolina and Virginia's, but still you're going to be in shootouts. So it's a coin flip in those two games. Uh, they have Syracuse, which I don't know. Syracuse is weird to me. They, they, have, they are really good on the ground. They, they can't really pass the ball. Their defense is good. And that's what scares me with Pitt and Syracuse is that Syracuse, if they're able to slow down Kenny Pickett, can their offense wear down Pitt's defense? Pitt is not out of the woods yet. People are saying, oh, they're going to go in the Peach Bowl. I, I don't know. I really do not know because they have a couple games. Yeah, they have Duke. They'll beat Duke. North Carolina, Virginia, Syracuse is tricky. I think Syracuse is in Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. 
Pitt's got a little bit of a tough, tough road ahead. Um, other games here. Oh, we might as well talk about it. Um, Penn State, Ohio State. I was at a wedding last night, so I did not watch the game live. I did watch the game this morning. Um, I think if you're a Penn State fan, you can look at this and say, hey, they they looks like they responded well to the bad loss against Illinois. Their defensive line, who, again, they lost four starters, and I think they had a couple guys banged up for the Illinois game who didn't really practice. They looked a lot better. Against you know, Trayvon Henderson is amazing. He's whew, he is a fantastic back. People were texting, oh, Master Teague's out. I said, Master Teague, you know, yeah, he's good, but Trayvon Henderson, he's the he is very good. Um, you know, Stroud looked Stroud looked good. And, and guys, he's 19 years old. People are like, oh, Stroud's not that good. Man, he's 19. He's gonna be good. Now he has a lot of uh, NFL guys around him with Alave and Wilson. Runger, I believe, is the tight end's name. Uh, two really good tackles. But, um, you know, he's going to struggle a little bit, especially against Penn State with a very good sec. That Penn State secondary is good. Brent Pry, that defensive coordinator, he's going to disguise coverages. And he's going to try and confuse the quarterback there. I think Stroud made, was, you know, did very well there. Um, so if you're a Penn State fan, you think, okay, they responded really well. There is another side of that. There's a bad side of that. And the bad side is that this was their they they were they're throwing haymakers here. Couple landed and now they're going to have nothing in the tank for Maryland. And I hope that's not the case. I hope, you know, Maryland's 330 kick, which I like that. But I really hope that Penn State responds really well now to this loss. They've lost three straight the first time ever in the James Franklin era. Granite banged up against Illinois. Illinois made him pay. Um, respond. Look, they look good against Ohio State. And listen, if you're Ohio State, you're thinking, man, that was a really good defense we went up against today. And you know, we put up, you know, how many points? I think their defense. People might say, oh, their defense looked vulnerable. Yeah, but listen, Sean Clifford's healthy. This was not the same Sean Clifford we saw against Illinois. You know, he 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 was healthy. He looked like he was a hundred, almost a hundred percent. So again, I think if you're Ohio State, I, I think you're you're really happy with that win. That was a tough test. Um, against a team that was their back was against the rose, they're going to give give them give you everything you could handle. And if you're a Penn State fan, I think that it's frustrating that the Illinois game happened because you're thinking, oh man, we could be six and two right now, and we could still make a New Year's Six ball. Now you're probably fighting for citrus. And even men's tough because um, Michigan State will probably the only two games Michigan State will probably lose if they do is Ohio State and Penn State. Those are the only two losses that look like they could happen on the schedule. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying they could happen. You know, Michigan, Michigan loses that game. They lose to Ohio State. Let's say Penn State beats them. I guess Penn State does have the tiebreaker there. But as far as Michigan State goes, you know, Michigan, we might find ourselves in Michigan State being 10-2 and two in the Citrus Bowl and, you know, like a Penn State or a Michigan going to the Outback. But – I don't know. I, I do think, though, Michigan State might end up in, in a New Year's Six, and good for them, good for Mel Tucker. I went on a little tangent there, went back to Michigan State. I know Joe, uh, CEO Joe's mad at me because I, I I jumped on the bandwagon of Michigan State as a fraud, and I don't think that anymore. I think they're a good, tough football team. Okay, so if you're listening, Joe, which he probably, he probably is, and he doesn't listen to this podcast, but if you're listening, um, I just want to say I was wrong with the fraudulent. Um, 
But yeah, so anyway, uh, the Penn State, you know, Penn State gave him everything, came down to the wire. Uh, John Lovett, that the illegal touching, it looked like illegal touching to me. Uh, some Penn State fans were complaining. It looked like illegal touching. Um, was he t- touched? Yes. I, he wasn't forced out. He was looking like he was going that way. Um, that just happens. Uh, people also ask me, what's going on with Noah Kane? Noah Kane has not been 100% since Indiana last year. He hasn't been 100%. Um, and, you know, you still got Kivion Lee. You have Lovett. Lovett's gone. I think Ford's going to transfer after the year, but you got really two really good running backs coming in. Penn State's going to be fine at running back. They need an offensive line. And that's the big thing that Penn State's missing is an offensive line. If they can get an offensive line that can freaking run block, this team would be so much better. But the problem is, like, they're going to have a hard time uh, running the clock out in some of these games because – they have they have absolutely no push on the offensive line. Um, Georgia kills Florida. Uh, Florida was down twenty four to nothing late in the third quarter, and I think they were on like the four or five fourth and fourth and goal. And Florida kicked the field goal and they missed, and they deserve to make, miss that. An absolute sad field goal for Dan Mullen. Um, I don't know what's going on with Dan Mullen. Florida's good, but I don't know. They're just. They're finding ways to lose. But, again, it is Georgia. But still, I don't know. I I feel like since Dan Mullins turned into a douchebag, maybe he always was, but they just haven't been the same. But, you know, we'll see. Florida does have South Carolina coming up, so let's see if they can change their fortune. Um, Oh, my next question. What kind of voodoo magic does Starkville – Mississippi have on Kentucky. Will Rogers looked freaking great yesterday. Um, and again, I've said this before about Will Levis, and I like Will Levis. He's a tough guy, tough quarterback. But when he's he cannot, he's not a quarterback that's going to come from behind. When he has to throw the ball multiple times, he's gonna he's eventually gonna force things. And that's what happened. That's why Kentucky lost. Um you know, Mississippi State, Mississippi State is frisky, man. They're frisky. They're a team that isn't great, but they're not bad, and they can catch you on a bad, you know. When they're clicking, they're clicking. But then they just have other games where, I, I don't know, it's like they forget to show up. Um, We talked about Auburn a little bit. Um, Auburn controlling their own destiny. Um, other games on in Texas, Houston continues to impress down there. Um, they can't fill their stadium, which needs to be fixed before they enter big 12 play because only having like 5,000 fans, there's absolutely embarrassing in a big game against uh Southern Methodist. So anyway, Houston knocks off SMU for SMU's first loss. Fresno state knocks off San Diego state for their first loss. Jake Hayner looked amazing. Again, love Jake Hayner. And then while you were sleeping, BYU beats Virginia. Armstrong looked like a freaking magician out there. Um, and then he got hurt, uh, holding his ribs, got taken out of the game. And then BYU ends up winning 66-44. Absolutely wild. The, the Mountain West is an awesome conference to watch. I absolutely love it. Um, it's great. All right, now, before we get into our playoff, I have my top 10 this week. So here we go. Top 10 this week. Number 10, Oklahoma State. 
Oklahoma State, the Pokes, uh, killed Kansas over the weekend. Uh, did suffer a loss to Iowa State. But I do believe Oklahoma State deserves that 10 spot. Uh, they are really good defensively. Again, this is not the Oklahoma State you're used to five years ago that's going to spread everyone out and, you know, air raid you to death. No, they are a defensive football team. Spencer Saunders is a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. As long as he's not turning the ball over, Oklahoma State has a chance there. Um, I do like Oklahoma over them in in Bedlam, but Oklahoma State, top 10, on my 10. Number nine, Wake Forest. Wake Forest is completes the cycle of power five teams that have been ranked in the top 10. They have completed it. So every single team in the power five has now been ranked in the top 10 at some point. Wake Forest, Dave Clawson is doing a fantastic job. Sam Harmon, great. Um, they're a team to beat in the ACC. Again, I thought it was NC State. No, it's Wake Forest. The Demon Deacons. The Demon Deacons are showing up. Welcome to the party. Uh, number eight, Notre Dame. Uh, consistent. Uh, yeah, they had that loss to Cincinnati. But Notre Dame's, they're a consistently good, great football team. They're, they're not flashy. They're not... Um, you know, I feel like people are forgetting about them, but this is a good, solid football team. If you're going to play the Fighting Irish, you're going to be in for a fight. Number seven is Michigan State. Michigan State is my number seven. I think they are really right now. I think they are the second best team in the Big Ten when you uh, factor in everything. Again, I still think they can lose to Penn State. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying they very well can. But I think Michigan State is your second best team in the Big Ten right now. They're tough, like I said before. Their their defense is shaky, but they're tough. They're a tough team. It reflects on their coach, Mel Tucker. Number six, this is where I'm going to lose people. Number six is Ohio State. This is why. I have Oregon ahead of Ohio State. And it's because Oregon and Ohio State both have the same record. And Oregon went into Columbus and beat them. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, but Jake, Ohio State is playing a lot better than Oregon. I know that. It looks like it. But then why are we playing the games if we're not taking head-to-head matchups seriously? This isn't Oregon has two losses and they're ahead of Ohio State. No. If Oregon had two losses, yeah, I'd put Ohio State ahead of them. But they don't. They have the tiebreaker against them. And they did it in Columbus. Ohio State didn't go to them. They went to the shoe and they beat them. So they will be ahead of them. I'm sorry, but it's it's what's happening. Number five, Alabama. Um, loss to Texas A&M. Texas A&M's offense is better, but it's not great. It's a bad loss. Um, and if you look at some of their wins, I mean, who have they beaten? And that's why I have Oregon at four. I think Oregon's win against Ohio State in the shoe is more impressive than Alabama. 
And let, let's see who Alabama let's let, let's take a look at Alabama's schedule here. Let's see. What let's see what win is better than Oregon beating Ohio State in the shoe. Not Miami on a neutral site. Not, you know, a two win a two point win against Florida. Not Southern Miss. You killed Ole Miss. Good for you. You lost to AM. You beat the heck out of Mississippi State. You beat the heck out of Tennessee. I- I'm sorry, but Oregon has a better win than you. Yeah, their loss might not be as good, but they have a better win. That's why I have Oregon at four. Cincinnati at three, they're undefeated. They've looked like crap since they've beaten Notre Dame. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to upset them. I do think they deserve to be in the playoff if they remain undefeated. Put them at four. Let them go against Georgia. If they get the crap kicked out of them, well, you gave them a shot. You gave them a shot. Uh, Two, Oklahoma. This team, and again, I defended Spencer Rattler. I did. And I still think it was ridiculous what those fans were chanting. But Caleb Williams is, is, is the real deal. He is. And, and the fans of Oklahoma are going to say, we told you he was better. We told you. You didn't freaking know. You booed Spencer Rattler because he wasn't Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Because he, he didn't live up to that expectation. Yeah, he threw some bad balls, but he was still had like a 69% completion rating when he was in there um, during that time. Granted, went a little downhill. And then he went to Caleb Williams and he fought his way back. So, yeah, Caleb Williams is the guy. Oklahoma, I hope Grinch gets their defense together, but I really like Oklahoma. I I still really like them. And number one is Georgia. I mean, we all know. Defense is one of the best defenses we've ever seen in college football. Defensive line is absolutely scary. Their pass rush is scary. Uh, Their secondary is good. Linebackers are amazing. Um, Georgia's the number one team in the country, man. And that, that goes to show you. Kirby Smart took a lot of flack for years of, and, and again, we're going to probably see this, you know, and when he, he's probably going to play Alabama in the SEC championship game. But what was the big thing? He can't beat Alabama. He always loses a game he's supposed to win. And we have these great recruiting classes and we can't do anything. Listen, it takes a while to build a program. Also, you know, Mark Rick, again, great coach, great coach, Mark Rick. Kirby Smart went in there and he had to change some things. What was going on, you know, like saying, hey, we got to update this. We got to update this. Alabama, And he was basically saying, listen, Alabama did this, this, and this for their football program. And it matters. And Georgia people are like, well, we don't want to spend that money on, you know, what do you mean? Like this, this is what kids worry about. This is what recruits want. Yes, it is. There was a college football arms race. Okay. Clemson bought into it and got good. Alabama did it from the start. They're probably the first to say, hey, we got to do this, this, and this. Um, and now Georgia did it. And it's the same thing that James Franklin wants for Penn State. He knows there's a gap. And what do you have to do? If you have that gap, you got to one, got to get your assistance paid so that they can, so the good ones can stay. There's more incentive to stay. And if they do leave, you can get a really good one to come to your place. And you need better facilities. You need, you know, freshman football player dorms that are near the facility, that are nicer than, you know, the regular student dorms. 
And I know that's, well, you're just doing everything for football. Yeah, you know what? Guess what? If you have a really good football team, your campus life is going to be a lot better. Ask Clemson. Now, I know this year is bad for them, but over the past couple of years, come on. I don't think Clemson has ever had a better time in their school's history prior to this year. Prior to this year, the last seven years, Clemson has been on top of the college football world, and it's because they finally bought in to their football program in Davos Winnie. So that's our top 10. Here we go. Um, to, we're going to rattle it off again. Number 10, Oklahoma State, the Pokes. Number nine, Wake Forest. Number eight, Notre Dame. Number seven, Michigan State. Number six, Ohio State. Number five, Alabama. Four, Oregon. Three, Cincinnati. Two, Oklahoma. And number one, the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, let's get in to our playoff this week. <laughs> This week's playoff is brought to you by Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has fantasy betting and leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes when you bet on NFL and college football. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money, against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors. Free to download, and you can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free, and when you're there, put in referral code BRAND13, that's B-R-A-N-1-3, that'll tell them that I sent you. This week's playoff is the strangest, weirdest, craziest rivalry trophies in college football. One of the many things that make college football great is its traditions and the rivalry trophies are one of those traditions that college football fans love, especially right now. We're in the middle of the season. I feel like every week there is some sort of trophy being played between two teams. I mean, also as, as soon as big 10 play starts, there's always some sort of rivalry game going on. The big 10 has a bunch uh, Wisconsin or Minnesota, I think has the most out of everybody. I think they play for about four or five, but anyway, I do have a couple honorable mentions here. Um, and before I do get into the honorable mentions, I, I just want to make uh, this clear that this is only FBS. So the troll trophy, which is the ugliest looking trophy you've ever seen between Concordia, Moorhead and St. Olaf, I believe that's division three. That will not be included in this. And it's crazy and weird, strange, but not ugly or not a bad trophy. So, for example, the civil conflict of UConn and UCF, that's not going to be in there. And the Land Grant trophy with Penn State, Michigan State, that's not going to be in here either. Those two are ugly. They're not strange. They're just, yeah, they're just, yeah, they're just, yeah. So honorable mentions, I got the bronze stock with Ball State and Northern Illinois, the old oaken bucket with Purdue and Indiana. That's a cool one. I will say the old oaken bucket, old oaken bucket is cool with the eyes and the peas with uh, coming off of the coming off the the bucket within the chain. I think that's really it, it's a cool trophy, but still weird. 
Um, Fresno plays for two in these honorable mentions. The milk can against Boise State, and then the oil can against San Diego State. The little brown jug with Michigan and Minnesota, another cool, um, another good trophy, one of the better ones, but again, strange. Uh, The Seminole War Canoe, just because of how big it is. Um, This one happened last week, Nevada and UNLV playing for that giant cannon. I don't know where they put it. I don't know how they store it. I want to say that it's in a warehouse, like the end of Raiders in the Lost Ark. But again, it's just, it's strange just because of how big it is. And then I have the platypus. The, that, the platypus almost made the uh, made the playoff. It almost did. It was it was right on the outside looking in. Uh, that's between Oregon and Oregon State, the Civil War. And if you aren't familiar, which most of you who listen to this podcast are, Oregon is the Ducks. Oregon State's the Beavers. Put them together. You have a, a, a platypus, so they play for a wooden platypus. So anyway, here are my top for the playoff. And again, you guys will be voting on this tomorrow on Instagram and Twitter. Please follow us on Instagram, get back coach, all one word, and on Twitter at the GB coach. I'll be sending out uh, quizzes or sorry, polls tomorrow for you guys to vote on. And again, if I miss one, tell me which one I missed. So here we go. The strangest, weirdest, craziest rivalry trophies in FBS college football. Number four, the keg of nails. This is between Louisville and Cincinnati. These two schools are within an hour and a half's drive from each other. The keg of nails. It's literally a barrel of nails. That's what they play for. And it's to symbolize how the winner is, you guessed it, tough as nails. I have no other explanation of why they play for nails. But anyway, the keg of nails, number four. Number three. This one is strange, but it's cool. I think it's one of the better trophies in college football. The Floyd of Rosedale. This is played between Minnesota and Iowa. It is a bronze pig that that originally in 1935, uh, the two governors, Iowa and Minnesota, were basically they both bet a pig on the game in 1935. Minnesota would go on to win, and they named the pig Floyd after Floyd Olson, who was the governor of Iowa. Now they play for a giant bronze pig. The Floyd of Rosedale, number three. Number two, the Battle of the Bones. This is between Memphis and UAB, and I just learned about this one recently because Memphis and UAB are going to be playing each other with the conference realignments. So apparently there's a rib-eating contest um, outside of the stadium uh, before the game when these two teams play, and – they figured, hey, if you know, as long, if we have eating contests before these games, we might as well play for a trophy. And the trophy is a rack of ribs. It's a bronze rack of ribs. It's it's really cool. It's really cool, but it is strange. So the Battle of the Bones, number two. Uh, number one, this is strange for a few reasons. One, the animal that this trophy represents. Two. Because these two schools, I don't believe, are rivals at all. So it's it's a strange rivalry because, you know, one hasn't really been relevant at all in the last 50 years, maybe one or two teams that were good. And the other one is a juggernaut. And then 
what it symbolizes, like what what the trophy is supposed to symbolize, and what happened to the live animal, <laughs> and this rivalry. So it's the alive buck, and if you're not familiar, the alive buck is a wooden turtle that is played between Illinois and Ohio State. Originally, this was to supposed to uh, signify the long-lasting rivalry between these two schools. It's ironic because the turtle, then I believe they played for it, I think, one or two times, and then the turtle died. So again, supposed to symbolize long-lasting rivalry, and now it's even more, it's, it's even funnier because... Ohio State dominates this. I mean, 69, 30, and 4. That is that that is the uh record here. Illinois' last win came in 2007. That Illinois team was good. That was one of the better Illinois teams. Um, I guess, I mean, looking through the Zook years. So 99, they, so the Illinois won in 99, 2001, and 2007. So in the last, you know, 22 years, they've won it three times. A lot of Illinois success in the late 80s, early 90s. Look at this. Um, 94, 92, 91, 90, 89, 88. Illinois went from from 88 to 92. And again, I think Ohio State was in a real rough patch at that time. But from 88 to 92, they won it. Um, They had a five-game win streak there. But anyway, my number one is the Eli Buck. So my playoff, number four, the Keg of Nails. Number two, the Floyd of Rosedale. Number two, the Battle of the Bones, and number one, the Ally Buck. Guys, make sure when I post this, tell me in the comments, tell me in the thread, who did I miss? Who needs to be on here? What rivalry trophy is strange and weird and needs representation on the or in this playoff? And again, when this is posted, um, the polls, make sure you guys vote, share it. Again, Twitter, at the GB Coach. Instagram, get back coach, all one word. Guys, thank you again for tuning in. And as always, 